Well, this is wild. CNN has revealed the extent to which Mike Johnson has been an activist, I guess you could say, for the anti-gay cause. So Mike Johnson in the mid to late 2000s collaborated with a group called Exodus International that was a leader in the quote unquote ex-gay movement. And this group would do gay conversion therapy. And some of what they worked on was aimed at teens, trying to convince teenagers not to be gay, which of course, time and time again, has proven to be impossible. And also, and this is a scholarly term, so get ready, stupid. <laughs> now, before we discuss more, I'll uh, show you some reporting in just a bit on this and recordings of Mike Johnson discussing the subject that are crazy. But first, let me say, it's always struck me as extremely creepy, people who spend so much of their lives focusing on affecting the sexuality of teens, putting on events to obsess over the sexuality of underage people and handing out pamphlets. Here's why you shouldn't be gay. Get a life, Mike. <laughs> Here's the reporting from CNN. Tonight, dangerous. That's how former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney describes the new House Speaker Mike Johnson. Cheney wants sharing an adjoining office with Johnson on Capitol Hill so she knows him. And it comes as CNN's Cape File has uncovered details about Johnson's history with a group that promoted gay conversion therapy, a long debunked theory that gay people could be made straight. Here's some of what he said in the past. It's time for an honest conversation about homosexuality. There's freedom to change if you want to. CNN uh, K-File, Andrew Kaczynski, is out front. So, uh, Andrew, that's, um, you know, pretty unambiguous. But what else did you find? Yeah, so for years, uh, Johnson worked with this group called Exodus International on an anti-gay event aimed at teens. Now, Exodus was a leader uh, in what was called the ex-gay movement. We talked a little bit about it in that intro where they claimed that you could essentially uh, change somebody's sexuality through counseling, uh, through prayer. They basically treated uh, being gay as a mental illness. Now, Johnson uh, and this group, when he was a attorney at this socially conservative organization called the Alliance Defense Fund, collaborated on this event called the Day of Truth. And this was actually in response to a, a pro-gay event called the Day of Silence. Um, it was to raise awareness about bullying uh, for gay teens. And then they launched this event the next day uh, in 2005, that was about basically they'd pass out cards. Uh, they would tell people uh, that you could change your sexual behavior. They pointed wow. teens to their website. And this had um, uh, links to Exodus's uh, uh, ministries. And by the way, the gay conversion therapy that they would eventually get teens into, because what he was talking about there was sort of a promotion event of sorts for the gay conversion therapy. But the damage they did to gay teens was so significant that Exodus International themselves, that organization, eventually shut down and apologized. CNN reports the group shut down in 2013 with its founder posting a public apology for the pain and hurt his organization had caused. Quote, pain and hurt. Conversion therapy has been widely condemned by most major medical institutions and has been shown to be harmful to struggling LGBTQ people, the article notes. They acknowledge the pain and hurt that their own organization caused. That's how bad it was. And then here was some of Mike Johnson's words on the subject. Our race, the size of our feet, the color of our eyes, these are things we're born with and we cannot change. But what these, these adult advocacy groups like the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network are promoting is a type of behavior. Homosexual behavior is something you do. It's not something that you are. Many historians, those who are objective, 
would look back and and uh, and recognize and and um, give some credit to the fall of Rome to not only the the, the deprivation of the society and the, the loss of morals, but also to uh, the rampant you know homosexual behavior uh, that was uh, condoned by the society. The gays took down Rome, he says. <laughs> And then we've learned that Mike Johnson said condoning gay behavior would lead to legalized pedophilia and could destroy the entire democratic system. Mike, I hate to tell you, but you've given the power of the gay a little bit too much credit. Uh, he also said that there was no clear right to sodomy in the Bible. Why people are so creepy, I don't know. And worked in favor of criminalizing sex between gay people. I say again. Michael, get alive. I genuinely don't understand this. What on earth has to be wrong with you to spend this much of your life focusing on other people's relationships? If you actually believe in liberty, you would believe in people's liberty to be in consensual relationships. It seems pretty simple. But here was Pete Buttigieg's incredible response to all of this. Look, if I've often said if being gay was a choice, that was a choice that was made way above my pay grade. But my lifestyle is that I'm a dad. I'm a married father of two, a beautiful boy and girl, twins, two years old. And our family deserves to be protected. It deserves to be supported, just like every American family. Most Americans get that. Most Americans believe that. I will admit it's a little bit difficult driving the family minivan to drop our kids off at daycare, passing the dome of a Capitol, knowing that the Speaker of the House sitting under that dome doesn't even think our family ought to exist. But that's one of many, many reasons why I'm grateful to live under the protection of the Constitution, which according to the Supreme Court established our right to have that family, and serving under a president who is making sure that everybody, everybody is included and protected, including families like mine. And of course, he's exactly right. It's crazy that Everyone can't just hear that message and think, yeah, right on. A story has become somewhat prominent lately about Ron DeSantis's footwear. He often wears these boots that really boost him height-wise, and so people have been making fun of that. And we're going to get to him trying to spin this in sort of a sassy way on Newsmax, and it's pretty odd to see. But I do want to make something clear up front. I care about Ron DeSantis' horrible policies, the Florida abortion ban permitless carry targeting the LGBTQ community, busing migrants from Texas for some reason to other states as a stunt, exploiting human lives in that fashion, etc. I don't care about any insecurities he has about his height. I talked about this on yesterday's bonus show, but unfortunately people do have these biases when it comes to how they judge politicians and height plays into that. So again, with all my distaste for Ron DeSantis, if he wants to try to look taller, go for it. That doesn't mean, however, it's not still sort of funny to see how much attention this is all getting and how uncomfortable he gets when the subject comes up. So he went on Newsmax and gave one of the weirdest interviews I've seen in a long time responding to all the chatter about his big, big boy boots, you could say. And without yet disclosing the context, let me just tease what we're about to watch a little bit, and then I'll give you some of the background you need to know. So in the clips we're gonna look at, he'll talk about foot fetishes, talk about how Trump doesn't have the balls to do something, and says that he'll put a boot on his head for some reason. Okay, we'll get to that. But first, let me show you where this controversy sort of became a lot more focused on in 
recent days, if you want to call it a controversy, DeSantis appeared on the PBD podcast and was confronted about his footwear. And as a reminder of what this moment looked like, again, we watched on the bonus show yesterday, but here's this, and then we'll get back to the subject of this video. I'm sure your marketing team points out how they're trying to troll you in the marketplace. Okay, I'm sure they're doing that. Can you bring this one clip? I know you were on, uh, 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 what do you call it? On, uh, uh, what was it? Bill Maher, and Bill Maher talked about the boots. I've seen you walk with these boots. Go ahead and play this clip. This on TikTok went viral. It doesn't have a million views. It doesn't have, you know, 10 million views. This thing's got 1.2 million likes. And, and some people are wondering... How, what are they? I don't even. So I haven't what, seen that. What there's, they've not shown this to you. Okay, no. what they're trying to say with this is that in your boots you have heels. No, no, no. That's yeah, what they're no, trying th to say. Those are just standard off the rack. Um, Lucchese, um, how, how Lucchese. How tall are you? Book, how tall are you, Governor? How tall? Five eleven. Five eleven. Okay. Why don't you wear tennis shoes and dress shoes? Uh, I do wear tennis shoes when I work out. Yeah, 100%. you do. Yep. Okay. So obviously very uncomfortable. Again. Not something I would be interested in asking a dangerous and dishonest politician or any politician if I were in the room with them. A lot of other things I would rather talk about, but definitely entertaining to see DeSantis' visible discomfort. So then he had a few days to decide how he was going to respond to this subject. And he got his sassy uh, remarks all ready to go. And he needs to show, you know, I'm not insecure, I'm confident. Here's what he had to say. Two wars that we're kind of funding, and they want to talk about how tall you are. Sir, respond, please. Well, yeah, I, like, look, Eric, this, uh, this is no time for foot fetishes. We've got serious problems as a country. We so I guess he's saying that he believes the focus on his boots and the way that they boost his height might have something to do with a foot fetish with DeSantis' feet, which is not something I wanted to think about today. Yikes. Next clip. So uh, Donald Trump and a lot of his people have been focusing um, on things like footwear. I'll tell you this. Um, you know, if Donald Trump can summon the balls to show up to the debate, I'll wear a boot on my head. This is a time for substance. This is a time for us to debate the issues that matter to the American people. And the question is, is are you able to fight for them, which we have done in Florida? Are you able to win those fights? which we have been able to do in Florida, and are you able to lead uh, to a better tomorrow? We've done that in Florida, and we'll do that uh, for the United States of America. Indeed. So he'll wear a boot on his head, he says, if Trump will show up to the debate. Now, I agree. I want to see Trump show up to the debate. It seems like he's pretty set on not doing so. The ratings aren't great, and no one really cares about it when he's not there. So showing up, yes, a lot more attention would then be given, but it would be an opportunity for something to go wrong for Trump, even though, again, I want him to show up as well okay so he says he doesn't want people to focus on things like his footwear fair enough let's hear what he had to say during the same interview on one of the important issues dollars in debt the house is taking money from the irs to be able to give to israel because we got to stop adding so much debt so i think they've been really responsible it's also important we say and there we go i did a whole in-depth segment on why this idea of pairing israel funding with defunding the irs is absolutely absurd you can find that on the youtube channel i think it's titled this is ridiculous which indeed it is but to quickly summarize once again republicans obsession with defunding the irs especially in response to biden increasing funding in the inflation reduction act only serves to do one thing and that's allow for more wealthy tax cheats to get away with tax fraud the extra funding directed at the irs is being focused on going after individuals who are number one not paying their lawfully obligated taxes and number two 
happen to be making a lot of money so they could afford to pay the amount they're supposed to. And by funding the IRS more, we actually make a profit. More money comes back to the US government in tax revenue that we should be getting, again, lawful obligated taxes than it initially took to fund the IRS. We talked about in my last segment on this, the fact that when you put together all of the outstanding taxes, we won't get estimated unless we invest in initiatives like this. Seven trillion dollars over the next decade we're going to miss out on in tax revenue that we're supposed to be getting people are illegally not paying think about how much we could do with seven trillion extra dollars in the next 10 years but republicans have been obsessed with undoing what democrats and biden did in terms of this extra funding and so they've been pushing this ridiculous idea to justify this opposition to this obviously good policy that Biden's creating with this money some IRS army to harass MAGA. The 87,000 IRS agents are going to come to MAGA's houses. It's complete nonsense. And in the meantime, what they're actually doing, unbeknownst to a lot of their supporters, is trying to protect wealthy tax cheats. And to intertwine funding to Israel with defunding the IRS is such a blatant example of this desperation. By the way, the House did pass that bill, so... Now we'll be observing a showdown between the Democratic-led Senate and the Republican-led House over that provision. And the Republicans pretend to be fiscally responsible, but then are willing to have the deficit increase because we won't be getting tax revenue we could be getting, again, from people who can afford to be paying the amount that they should. By the way, here was a Republican congressman getting confronted about this after the bill was passed that, again, would take $14.3 billion out of the IRS budget to fund this Israel package instead of just not linking the two. And Caitlin Collins asks, hey, you know this is estimated to add to the deficit because you're taking resources away from the IRS and hindering its ability to take in as much money in a tax revenue as it could. And Mike Lawler says, no, nah, I don't think so. But it does add to the deficit, does it not? If this had passed as is with the IRS spending cuts, does that not add to the deficit, Congressman Lawler? With all due respect, uh, the CBO scoring uh, has often been wrong. Uh, and the reality is that cutting spending uh, is not going to add to the deficit here. We have a responsibility to pass aid to Israel. The speaker put that forth on the floor today. It garnered bipartisan support. Uh, obviously, the Senate has their idea of what they're going to do, and we're going to negotiate and go from there. Uh, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really, frankly, understand all the hubbub about this. At the end of the day, uh, we're still going to have to pay for this one way or the other, whether it's included a, as a standalone bill or uh, if we show the pay for in the bill. Yeah, well, so I, I, we're going to have to get there somehow. I should note, everyone always criticizes the CBO when they say something that they don't like, both parties do. So he falls back on, oh, well, I just don't believe the estimate is accurate. And then says, I don't think cutting spending will add to the deficit, which is a phrase he used because ordinarily that would make sense, right? How could a cutting spending increase the deficit? Well, a rare situation in which that is the case is when you cut spending to an entity that requires those funds to hire enough people to go out and get more tax revenue. So in this case, yes, Cutting funding to the IRS is going to increase the deficit. But they're the fiscally responsible ones. Come on. Let's check in on what was going on in the House of Representatives yesterday. So Congress is in the middle of debating a bunch of different subjects as they decide on funding bills. And during this process, you'll never guess what Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene's priority was. Take a guess. Think about it. I'll give you some time. 
what would MTG be thinking about? Protecting the Confederate statues. Indeed, you are correct. And I'm honestly so tired of this conversation. You're erasing history because you don't want your school to be named after that guy who fought to preserve slavery. But here we return to it. Now, let me say up front, do I think the solution to Confederate statues is just in a sort of vigilante fashion doing property damage and ripping them down? No, of course not. But if municipalities or the Department of the Interior, as is at issue here, want to remove them or schools want to rename themselves, fantastic. Who would be opposed to that? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Very important to her. Top of the list. She'd rather focus on an inanimate object that represents someone who fought for slavery than actually helping living and breathing people. It was great to see a Democratic Congresswoman, Shelley Pingree, call out Marjorie Taylor Greene's absurdity during this debate. I'll play the clip uh, in just a moment. But first, let me provide one more thought up front. The Confederate statue thing to me is super simple. Let's learn extensively about history, but we don't have to honor aspects of it that are disgraceful. And yes, many of these statues are big honorary sort of symbols to these individuals. Now, in a museum, uh, reenactment through statues of a certain civil war event, great, totally different thing. But in a town square or a park, why the heck would that be something that we need? Again, learn history, don't celebrate certain aspects. Just like how in Germany, they learn about Hitler, but you don't see any Hitler statues out in public parks. But when it comes to other statues, so the Confederate statues seem like a really simple conversation, but other statues, I think reasonable good faith people can have debates about. How do we weigh the wrongs in someone's past with the rights? And do we honor someone who contributed a lot to the country in good ways, but did horrible things in their personal life? Again, that's for communities to decide and honest people can have those debates. I still think regardless, right-wingers spend a little bit too much time <laughs> obsessing over it, and I wish they would work as hard for the well-being of people who actually have material needs and aren't just statues of people. So that being said, let me break down the context of what we're about to watch. We'll look at this. Then I'm going to give you, just because it's connected to this subject, the background of Marjorie's past with the Confederacy and Confederacy-related controversies. But here, Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced an amendment to a funding bill that would prohibit any federal funds from being used by the Department of the Interior to remove any statues under their jurisdiction. And here was her explanation on why. The chair recognizes the gentlewoman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. My amendment prohibits funds from being used to remove any monument on land under the jurisdiction of the Department of Interior. For too long, communist Democrats have been hell-bent on erasing our culture, way of life, and our history, whether we agree with it or not. As George Orwell wrote in 1984, they want a future in which every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. And history has stopped. Nothing except exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. In 2020, nearly 168 Confederate symbols were removed across the United States, many of which were violently torn down by radical BLM Antifa activists that burned American cities to the ground. 
Most recently, the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee that stood for nearly a century in Charlottesville, Virginia, was dismembered and melting down in a 2,250-degree furnace. The news media was quick to flood social media with video posts of the statue's head melting down in fire. This was the message. The communists in our country have made it clear that they will not stop with Robert E. Lee and will continue to do this until George Washington's statue is burning in fire. So it's communist, I guess, for the city of Charlottesville to say, hey, maybe we don't want to have a city park called Lee Park where there's a big statue of Robert E. Lee. As a reminder, in case you just weren't around for history class. Who was Robert E. Lee? I'll just simplify it down for time. If he had gotten his way, black people would have remained slaves. Do we really need a park celebrating that? Also, why was she talking about the statue being melted down or whatever? Like it was some act of horror. Oh my gosh. And then his head was melted. Marjorie, inanimate object. That's what we're talking about. You could have spent your breath, Marjorie, instead advocating for Congress to address the massive number of people experiencing food insecurity in this country, for example, or who are below the poverty line or who don't have access to proper health care. But no, the poor slab of earth elements is the real victim. Okay. And then let me just quickly summarize a few things that happened and then we'll jump forward to where Congresswoman Pingree calls out Marge Taylor Green. So Pingree jumps in and makes reference to all statues being at issue here under the Department of the Interior's jurisdiction. So then a Republican Congressman Ryan Zink jumps in and says, no, 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 we're only wanting to protect founding fathers, statues of them specifically. But then Pingree corrects him with the text of Marjorie's amendment that says all statues. So then Marjorie has a chance to talk and you'll see the end of this in the clip I'm about to show you. And she's still just ranting about Robert E. Lee. And she says, She's talking about all statues, that's the focus, but she's really just obsessed with the Confederate ones. And with that context in mind, here's the end of Marjorie's rant, then you'll see Congresswoman Pingree calling her out. The Democrats will do nothing to stop their attempts to destroy our nation's history, and we must protect it. I urge my colleagues to vote for my amendment, and I urge its passage. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and I yield. The gentlewoman from Georgia yields. The gentlewoman from Maine. So just to clear up a couple of things, my colleague mentioned the Founding Fathers. Robert E. Lee was not actually one of the Founding Fathers. He was a general of the Confederacy. That was the city of Charlottesville. That wasn't a national monument That when that statue was removed. And I, I just have to say, uh, I find it rich that the party that has supported book banning in our libraries, um, rewriting curriculum, not talking about our history over and over again, is the very one that is saying that we have to often keep painful monuments in places where they do damage, where they interfere with people's ability to enjoy the particular area that they're in and leave it to the Department of Interior to have that discretion. So if we're gonna get into talking about book banning and rewriting history, let, let's have an honest debate about it and talk about the differences between our two parties on this. I oppose this amendment and I yield back. Yeah, so Shelley Pingree is correct on so many fronts. Marjorie's fellow Republican in the part that I quickly recapped was trying to save her a little bit, make the amendment sound more reasonable, saying they're only trying to prevent founding fathers from having their statues removed. But then Marjorie's response is just continuing to rant about Robert E. Lee. So then Pingree correctly notes, just to clarify, 
to the previous Republican congressman who tried to make this statement. Robert E. Lee isn't a founding father, and that's who she's focused on clearly. Then she correctly points out that Marjorie Greene is saying federal funds shouldn't be used to take down statues, but the example she's whining about is the Charlottesville city government. So that isn't really a relevant example to federal funds. Then, and the wording here from Pingree really struck me. Shelley Pingree points out that there's no reason to force into people's faces painful memories in public parks, for example. Who wants to be sitting having a nice picnic on a Sunday and look up at a larger than life-size statue and think, oh yeah, it was allowed for people to own other people and then that guy fought to preserve that situation. And then Shelley Pingree's final devastating point is saying, really Marge, you're the one to complain about history being erased, which is not what taking down Confederate statues is, but you're a part of the movement actually trying to do that every single day. Now, I mentioned Marjorie's past debacles when it comes to the Confederacy. Let's reflect on those. A few months ago, she released a video while she was working out in her garage and see if you notice something in the background. introduced articles of impeachment this week against five people that deserve it. Check out Battleground MTG, find out how we save America, and it's through impeachment. So up next to me is a zoom in of her backdrop, and she has a Confederate flag cooler in her garage. A Confederate flag cooler. What does the Confederate flag represent? They'd say, oh, stage right. Stage rights to do what? own people. Then, and this is so ridiculous, a while back she posted a photo on Instagram and she's at this monument. She's saying, you know, I stand for our history and visited this Confederate soldier monument. And then people realize that's a Union soldier's monument. So in one post, she's able to emphasize that she's far too fond of the Confederacy. And also, and how do I say this properly? The stove is turned on, but the gas ain't flowing, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not sure if that's an established phrase, but if it's not, it should be one. And while we're on the subject of the Confederacy, you might remember this video of Nikki Haley when she was governor of South Carolina that resurfaced when she started running for president, where she said this. You know, for those groups that come in and say they have issues with the Confederate flag, I will work to talk to them about it. I will work and talk to them about the heritage and how this is not something that is racist. This is something that is a tradition that people feel proud of and let them know that we want their business in this state and that the flag where it is was a compromise of all people that everybody should um, accept as part of South Carolina. We're just for the Confederate history, not for this state. Um, I mean, yes, it's part of a traditional, you know, it's part of tradition. And so when you look at that, if you have the same as you have Black History Month and you have Confederate History Month and all of those, as long as it's done where um, it is in a positive way and not in a negative way. A Confederate History Month, she says, just like Black History Month. And earlier in the clip, she says, you know, it's something people are proud of. Why? And it's not something, I don't like the people act like sometimes, well, you got to respect that. Some people are just proud of that part of the, no. Why are you proud of that? That's a problem with you. Be proud of something else. 
Also, I grew up in Texas, so since I was a wee little gentleman, I was seeing Confederate flags. And from really, really young, I remember thinking, after I learned like 1% of the history on the subject, wait, why are people flying those flags? Hey, Pops, clarify for me one more time why it is that people around here will fly those flags. Well, they think that it's a representation of the heritage. Well, what heritage, Dad? Well, there was this group that tried to break away from the country. Why did they do that? Because they were being told they couldn't own other people anymore. And people are celebrating that now. Really not that complicated other than the flag is not something that you should be celebrating. Or you can, but just admit what you are saying. Don't act like you don't know what that means whenever you fly it or when you have it on a cooler, Marjorie. And honestly, it's sort of the saddest thing ever for the people flying it. Get over it. You lost. Anyways, if we can't agree on whether or not we should celebrate the Confederacy, I think that represents a tough situation that we're in as a country. Before we go, don't forget to become a member at lucabeasleyshow.com slash membership to get access to a daily bonus show. Really think about this for a second, okay? Not only would you be supporting what we do, that's amazing, but also you watch my content and you're like, oh, this is cool. But oh, I only got two videos today or three videos or on an awesome day, maybe four videos. And it would be cool to just get some more. It's there, it's happening, you're missing. You should feel FOMO about this lukebeasleyshow.com slash membership plus follow me on threads at luke beasley official instagram at luke beasley official x at luke p beasley and sign up for the beasley brief a daily morning newsletter that summarizes the previous day's events by going to lukebeasleyshow.com slash brief and i'll talk to you next time